0: Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our bi-weekly episodes, you'll hear how founders and leaders put charitable giving and social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. We also interview leaders of causes, charities, and agencies who are leading the way in how they partner with micro and SME businesses. You can find full show notes for today's show and join our membership community at givetoprofit.com. This is where you can also sign up to receive regular tips and updates about events worth checking out, including the Give to Profit Business for Good conference we're hosting in Edinburgh in April 2019. So now here's your host, TEDx speaker, author and business mentor, Alison McKenzie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Give to Profit podcast show. This is your host, Alison McKenzie, and I'm delighted to be with you as always today. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I am thrilled to be interviewing someone who describes herself as being dedicated to disruptive ideas to develop socially responsible brands that can build business while having a positive social impact. It's Nada Fournier that i'm going to be speaking to today and just from that description knowing what you know about me if you've listened to previous episodes you'll know why that everything about nada just appeals to me we've all, we've had lots of lovely conversations over the last few months sharing ideas and opinions on many, many different aspects of business being a force for good, And one of the things I've particularly enjoyed hearing about is her on-the-ground experiences of speaking to people um, in terms of the people whose cause marketing campaigns were set up to actually benefit. And... Sometimes, as, as I'm sure will come out on the, in this show, there are times when everything goes to plan and other times not quite so much. So let me just tell you a little bit about Nada before I introduce you to her. Nada's developed some of the world's best global cause marketing programmes as recognised by Oxford University, Clinton Global Initiative and the World Economic Forum. So it's also been written up and featured in several different books including being recognized as one of the most successful Arab women in a book called Domains of Influence by Jacqueline Hassink. So today we're going to be discussing the pitfalls of cause marketing. Welcome Nada, it's just so brilliant to have you on the
1: show. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be a part of this uh, podcast. And uh, Alison, as you know, I really, really admire the work you're doing and uh, the work all the people who are listening to your podcast are trying to achieve. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's just an absolute joy to have you here. And I just can't wait to get going with the conversation. So let's just jump straight in. And I always like to ask my guests what their personal story is. In other words, how you've come to be who you are are today doing what you're doing today so would you like to just share a little bit of your background
1: yeah I um, I didn't start in communications like uh, everybody would think so after 25 years doing this job I started as a medical background in fact I have a doctor in pharmacy and uh, another, another degree in nutrition I wanted to help people and saved lives when I was young. And then uh, with different circumstances, I I found myself joining uh, Procter & Gamble and then uh, ending up in uh, communication. Um, I loved the work I've done uh, in communications because I've realized there are many, many, many ways to help people. You can help them by being a physician or a doctor, but you can also help them by securing the means and uh, the funds for some of their uh, causes that can improve their situation. So here you go. I have been able to achieve my dream of um, helping people, saving lives, supporting people by just doing something that I, I love doing, which is cause marketing and communications for big brands.
0: So could you explain a li- just a little bit more about what your role at Procter & Gamble was, particularly in relation to the cause marketing piece, just to give people a bit of an insight into that?
1: Yeah, well, uh, as you know, big companies and fast-moving consumer good companies are are really strong in doing marketing campaigns and advertising campaigns. You see them everywhere on TV. You see them on radio, wherever you are, and um, it, it, it's it's really it's really powerful. And one of the ideas uh, we had is why can't we leverage this power of marketing, this power of accessing to people's mind and heart for something that could help uh, advancing some of um, the the public uh, and health issues in the world. And uh, so we started with this and uh, we started in fact with Always, which was a sanitary product uh, commercialized by Procter and Gamble, and while we were doing some of the work on uh, research work for Always in in Africa, we've realized something very simple: that you know, girls uh, miss school in Africa. Uh, because of menstruation because they can't afford to have uh, a proper means for protection this this seems really uh, Impossible for us in in developed countries, but it is true many 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 girls in developing countries Cannot afford sanitary products and when they have their menstruation They just simply miss school and when you are 12 or 13 years old and when you start missing school a week a month uh, every month then you drop out of school and so we've realized that um, the impact of uh, not having the proper hygiene and sanitation for girls menstruating girls was huge on the cost for society. These girls were dropping off school. These girls were subject to being harassed, sexually harassed um, because of the smell they had. It, um, it aroused some men. And so we started looking at what can be done with a brand that was very powerful. And one of the ideas we had was should we or could we Uh, Just try to set up a program where um, you know you can give girls who cannot afford it one pack a month plus a hygiene education program where you explain to them what's happening to their bodies during these uh, menstrual changes, and it was amazing. Um, We we did the work in Kenya, and we realized that you know not only you kept girls in school, but they are also their possibility for uh, attention for 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 performing in school got improved dramatically by the fact that they felt more confident and more comfortable during these days and they didn't miss out school. So we started saying, well, um, can we expand this program? And of course, you know, Kenya is East African country. And uh, we thought, well, this, is this unique to Kenya? Is this something where it's more uh, than in Kenya? And we realized that when we did the studies in both Kenya, Malawi, we then did it in West Africa, in Ghana, we realized that the issue is, is everywhere. And so we started this program. We started this program where keeping girls in school it was a cause marketing program, and it was very successful um, to drive, you know, not only the sales of, of Always, but also to help girls going to school. So this is an idea that started with Always, and then we tried to tra- take it to other brands uh, in the in, in in the portfolio of PNG where we could do it.
0: Wow, it's fantastic, and I know that. Um... We've had conversations around what worked well with with that always campaign and what didn't quite work so well. Could you just share? Maybe start by what why it worked. Maybe start with what worked well. What what was it about the way that that you led that that you ran that 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 meant it worked really really well?
1: What what worked well it was um, the fact that people really quickly understood what was the issue as soon as you said you know. Um, Menstruation is a problem for girls in school when they cannot afford sanitary products. Really, people got it quickly. So we got a lot of support for this program. We got people who wanted to buy the products. We got the governments who supported us. And so there was a huge, huge support to help us in uh, in doing the program. I think um, some of the issues we faced and uh, it was the lack of us understanding really the girls we were trying to help, like you said earlier. Um, we, we really were eager to help those girls, and particularly in uh, Malawi, where we wanted to reach sixty thousand girls. We had managed uh, the end of the fiscal to arrange for enough products for the girls, enough funds to run the campaign, work closely with UNICEF. We started distributing the, cam- the products, and then, uh, and then suddenly, I go there, I meet with the girls, understand how they're it's working for them, and they tell me it's painful. And I was like, my God, why is it painful? And and those little girls, 12, 13 years old, are telling me, you know, um, I love the products, really. Thank you for helping me, but it's so painful to use. Gosh. And I was wondering why could it be painful. I looked at these girls, and then I was I was I was praying. I hope it's not it's not what I'm thinking. It was what I was thinking. Those girls couldn't afford to have a panty, and so what they were doing either sticking upside down the 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 pad or rolling it and inserting it um, in, in themselves. So it was just because we missed the fact that these girls could not afford uh, the panties. And I think I think there's a lot to say about the well-intended uh, work we all try to do in countries uh, to support our other people we need, want to support. But there's a lot more work to do in better understanding the, the reality of the people who want to help and, and really understand what's happening to them and and is there anything else that we are creating when we're trying to help them?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember when you first told me that story about, you know, going out and speaking to them and the reception you got and and then getting that response from the young girls. And I I mean, I I can remember it just literally took my breath away because I couldn't believe what I was hearing and I couldn't understand, you know, it took me a few seconds to actually think, what is it that that they were meaning? Um, But it's a, it 's also for me an incredibly powerful example as to how important it is for all of us to actually start to think about things from the perspective of the people that we 're looking to help exactly. and our, you know and and to speak to them and to and, the, and to find out what will help and what other things we need to consider and actually one thing i 've not mentioned to you nada is that I know somebody um one of my friends and business contacts also supplies sanitary wear over to in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, on, a, on a much smaller scale than Procter and Gamble, but it's part of the way that, that she supports um, people through her business. And when I told her that story, so she was so, so shocked. But now is looking at how she actually gets into the supply of knickers that young girls can yeah. do well, you know? um, So already that story, into sharing that story with me, has had a, a, a ripple effect. But it no matter what, I guess our programs our cause marketing ideas or our charitable giving ideas are it's it's just such a valuable lesson to think about things from the perspective
1: yes yes i mean i mean i've been i've been really traveling a lot and meeting a lot with with the people we were trying to help and and i can tell you many different examples we've seen i mean one of the the example I had another one a heartbreaking story I had was in uh, one of the Emirates um, in, in the UAE you know not all the UAE Emirates are very rich um, and in one of them I I was interviewing a woman in her home and I was talking to her and I and she she looked very very sad this woman she was um, I think 25 26 years and she had uh, small children and I said why are you so sad and she said they brought the water into my house. And I was like, surprised. I said, and? And she said, they destroyed my social life because um, now I cannot get out to fetch the water and I cannot meet my friends. I have to wait on Thursday night for my husband to take me out uh, to see my parents. I have no life anymore. And I was like, my God. I said, but they the intention was to help you with the water, running water at home. And she said, I know. I know maybe the intention was to help me, but I have no friends and I have no life anymore. And I think, I think we are all well-intentioned, but sometimes we really need to dig deeper and not convince ourselves that the solution we bring are always the solution people want
0: yeah definitely and you know it's it's i'm just thinking in my head at the moment about you know i'm raising funds to build this school in cambodia and the insight well, i was i i was saying to you before we before we probably started recording this about how i was in singapore recently and I was very very fortunate to meet a couple of um, organizations that are on the ground in Singapore but actually even better than that two young girls that I mean flown over to the conference who had come through one of the programs and I just spent the evening in the bar with these two young women who had not left you know I think that um, they hadn't left the country before and we just you know it was just getting to know them and finding out about all sorts of different things so that I had a, a broader perspective, even though I have good partners on the ground, um, it is really worth spending that time trying to see things from the perspective of those we help.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other thing I think we really need to be careful about is... Um... And, and I think I was talking also with uh, the people for the UNHCR, you know, the refugees, uh, and I've seen one of the presentation with the president, Mueller, who uh, uh, was talking about it. Something that people did not realize is when you have refugee camps, for example, or refugees in a country, and everybody pour his help to these refugees, you create resentment amongst the population around them. Because what happens is those people become, uh, are seen, are perceived, much better well-off than the communities they are living in and mm, so yes. they create a lot of resentment around them so wherever we had programs uh, to do for example my last program with um, always, and, uh, and UNESCO was to educate children in, um, in, in the Jordanian um, camps for the Syrians, we really made sure that whenever, whatever you do, you do include people from the communities and not only the refugees. This is another thing that people forget about, is when, when you do help, and, and you help the people who need it, make sure that you understand what's happening around them. Because if you create resentment from the communities, it's even worse long term for these uh, refugees because they kick them out, they, uh, uh, they start segregating against them. So there's a lot of things to do um, for us when we want to help people and to realize what is the impact of our work on the ground, on the people and around them. Yeah, definitely.
0: And I mean picking up on something that you said earlier, you you talked about how you partnered with UNICEF. How how did you go about choosing the right partner? Like how how did you decide that they were the people to partner with?
1: Yeah, I mean um, the um, this is a very very important question that people have to think about before they partner with any organization. You you need to look at what is the common value between your brand or your company and and the partner you want to partner with right so for example the the longest term partnership that we've done was between pampers and unicef and the reason why it worked despite the fact that these two companies were extremely far away in the way they looked at things results uh, timing everything Everything was different between the two companies. What joined us to make the partnership work is the common vision. So you really need to have a common vision that makes sense for both brands. So Pampush was at that time, uh, the objective of Pampush is caring for children. And UNICEF was for survival of children and caring for children. So when you have common values between the partner and the the brand you want to to join it works if you start to fetch you know you, you you start to match partners who have nothing to do with the value of your brand it will not work people will not understand why you're doing it and the brand itself will not stand the uh, the time uh, factor right because there's nothing really making sense for it to to um, to be resilient so, so I think the most important thing you need to choose when you want to think about uh, doing any cause marketing is what is the common value you're looking at? What is the thing that your brand stands uh, for? And so you find the partner who stands for the same thing. And then whatever are the differences, if you have a common vision you want to achieve with the partner, you will get there. If it's not a common vision, nothing will get you there. Even millions of dollars is not what's gonna get you there.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that. Because, you know, it's, and and actually it's, it's increasingly, actually, when I'm working with clients, we're definitely spending far more time looking at you know get helping them get clarity on things like what social impact do they want to have and quite often you know connecting to the UN global goals although not always um, and using that as part of the process of really helping them get clear on that impact and social vision that they have but also getting clear on the values so that they are selecting the right partners to to, um, work with.
1: Yeah I mean I think what people um, need to understand also is there will be many, many, many challenges uh, to work with the non-profit organizations because simply we the profit and non-profit are two different worlds, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't set the, their measurements the same way. They don't set the timing the same way. They don't set the objectives uh, the same way. So first and foremost, you need to both align that we want to achieve the same vision and then we can target every other challenges and, and work around them. If, For example, in, uh, when we did the Pampers and UNICEF partnership, we had one very common v- vision was eliminating tet- neonatal tetanus. We both wanted to achieve this. And once we had this vision, we said, okay, we have a lot of challenges to get there, both of us, but we will get there because we both are committed to the same vision, right? And so you really, really need to make sure that both organizations are willing to um, get past the hurdles because they have the same objective and the same vision to achieve.
0: Yeah, and I guess that within that, there are certain key, you know, it sounds like there are certain key aspects that you can actually discuss so once you know you've got that similar vision you you know you can actually start to look at so what are the time frames what are the ways in which we're going to measure this what resources have we got and what are other potential challenges we could face and just actually start working through those is that how you would approach it
1: yeah I I think also there's one thing that helped us a lot is that um, there is I'm sorry to say this but this is really reality there is a distrust between non-profit and profit.
0: Yeah, no, I know.
1: Non-profit always think that brands aren't making advantage of them and profit think, I mean, non-profit are not serious, right? So there is a really distrust between the two to come together. So you have to make sure that you both understand um, what are the things that are um, going for the two organizations, why there is a distrust and how you... Uh, you can break this distrust. For us, the way to do it was not to go big bang global with one campaign everywhere at the same time. We started building trust by testing the the campaign in one country, building its, um, you know, making sure that we had everything corrected for both the, the, the UNICEF and, and, and Pampers. Uh, and we had addressed all the concerns that came up on a single market small market we tried belgium because it was small it was contained it was easy to contain and so we started with this small market and we started identifying the issues we had one by one which helped us after all to set you know the process on how we wanted to work together and with the results we had we could convince both sides that it would work so i'll give you an example Uh, for for png um, they didn't trust that we can do a campaign, a marketing campaign, because cause marketing is a marketing campaign, a marketing campaign without showing the benefit of the product. I mean, you're talking Pampers, you're talking absorption of pee and poo, and for the first time ever, who are not talking pee and poo? We were just talking about the cost. And so there was a very, um, a, a lot of skepticism in, um, in the marketing team whether this will work and people will buy the product for its value on PNP, not because you're saving child. So, will this work or not? So, we had a lot of skepticism from the organization within PNG. At the same time, uh, at UNICEF, they thought they are, um, they, they, their brand is so valuable that when they worked with a, comp- with a brand like Pampers, they thought they are destroying their brand or they are distorting their brand. So they were very skeptical about with this work for them. And so what we've done is we did the, the campaign the first, the first year in a small scale in, in Belgium with uh, limited distribu- distribution centers. And it was amazing what we realized. First of all, for UNICEF, it increased the awareness of UNICEF and increased it positively. So people associated more UNICEF with child survival. And for Pampers, we sold more products during the pe- period of Christmas because people felt they're doing good. Mm. And so once we had this data, it was much easier to convince both teams, both P&G and outside to say, you know what? This could work. And UNICEF, your brand is going to be protected. We're going to create awareness. We're going to create fun for you. And P&G, you know what? Your brand is going to benefit and it's going to help you sell your product.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, what you're describing there, while, while you're talking about two large organisations, it's exactly the same thing for small businesses. Um, except, I suppose, one of the things I, I notice that can be different is obviously when we don't have internal marketing teams that would be sceptical. You know, if the founder is just all for it, then it's about finding a cause, but making sure that we do still talk, walk through the same process, if you like, that you're describing.
1: Yeah, and even if you have small businesses, you know, after all, the small business also needs to show that this is building his business, right? Mm-hmm. If, um, it, it, it has to be understood for everybody. I think when we started this campaign with uh, with Pampers, it was clear for everybody that we are not a charitable organization, and businesses need to make sure that they have a win-win solution, that they shouldn't be ashamed to say, yes, we're selling more because we're partnering with uh, with, with this cause. It's Again, it's positive, the more you sell, the more you're donating. So people need to understand, because at the beginning, UNICEF had some issues. or I think any NGO would have the same issue, saying, well, you're selling more. Why do you need the marketing? Why don't you donate to us the money only, and then we, we do it? We, we explained, we did extensive work of explaining to, um, to UNICEF that, you know what? You cannot give the money to them. Um, and if, if you don't sell the brand so it's not about you know instead of spending your money on marketing give me the money and I'll uh, it will have the same impact it's not true because if you don't build the brand sell more products you don't have the money to give it for the donation so um, so once it's established as a as a principle then it's easier to talk to the partner and to work with them
0: yeah and abs- and, and also actually also entering into a partnership helps um, expand people's perceptions, doesn't it, both within the bus- within the business and the cause?
1: Exactly, you know,
0: and starts to break down some of those barriers. Because I know I've been speaking to somebody actually more locally, um, and we've been talking about the mistrust that happens not just within the organisation, you know, the business and the the charity or cause. Um, but actually also perceptions of the general public, you know, in terms of in, in one hand, they say they want businesses to do good, but then they can be sceptical of businesses that are trying to do good. <laughs> um, and likewise, I, I know of charities that have been criticised for effectively getting into bed with the enemy because they're partnering with businesses. So there's lots of mixed messages around this. And I think one of the things I've learned is about um, consistency in terms of, you know, once we're clear on what we stand for and making sure we're communicating that um, at every point and and there's consistency across all different areas of our business and then it's about doing it again and again and again, that's the kind of thing that also helps to build up trust and with a small company I think the shift in how people perceive us as a brand can be much quicker because we can be much more agile in terms of when we make a decision on something, we can actually implement it quite quickly. But even with that said, we need to make sure we're being consistent for people to continue to trust us and to believe us that we're actually in this with the right intentions and we actually are doing good in the world.
1: You're right, you're right. And I think, Alison, the other thing that is really important for people to understand is if partnership, if they're done right, they benefit really more the charity than the business partner. I'll tell you how. You, you know, you have to think about, you know, you have two core competencies and um, that are completely different in each organizations. So the, the charities or the nonprofit, they know how to do things on the ground. They know how to help people. They know how to do it, right? They, this is their core competencies. The business know how to build their brand and their business. And so if you bring these t- competency together What you get for the charity is it helps them to build their image and their business and their create awareness. And then they can attract even more donors and more participants partners I mean UNICEF after the partnership with Pampers you can't imagine how many companies went to them and uh, started doing partnership with them simply because they've seen that this is working that UNICEF uh, brand image was improved and that this helped the business so it is a big big benefit that is more than the 65 million dollars we gave unicef the the real benefit they got is the amount of awareness and marketing and advertising they could never afford to pay as an ngo as well as the new partnership they got and the amount of fundraising they got because of this you know yeah. and this is something that um Charities need to understand you can distrust your partner to a point, but really don't have your blind spot on how much benefit they can bring to you. Of course, they have to be the right partner. Don't partner with somebody who has a a issue with reputation and who's trying to fix its reputation Mm -hmm. with you, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's not what you're trying to do. But if you are partnering with the right organization, um, you will create more awareness, you will create more resource mobilizing and fundraising for the charity than if you don't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely so I mean I've got already I mean one of the questions I had down for you was you know what are the key components of a successful cause marketing campaign I've noted a lot so far so I mean already I know we've talked about things like you know seeing things from the perspective of those we're trying to help um, engaging people from the communities around those that we're actually looking to help so we get that broader perspective partnering with causes with shared values and vision starting small and testing the process an impact to build trust um, is there anything else that you would say is critical in a successful cause marketing campaign?
1: I think for uh, for small businesses, this uh, this last point I'm going to say is less applicable, although it might be, is you need to have a strong ambassador inside your company for this partnership. The reason is uh, people get bored with their marketing ideas. So what happened, for example, for us, this campaign, Pampers UNICEF, lasted 11 years. and the marketing team got bored and they wanted to change. I wanted to do something new, right? Although it was very successful and it was very simple. One pack equal one vaccine was very simple idea, really worked, we proved it on and on. They really wanted to change because this is what marketing is. We know we hire people who are creative uh, directors and marketing directors who want to invent something new. And so every single year, the challenge we had, was not outside, was inside, that people wanted to create something new. and Because we had very strong ambassadors of the campaign inside the company, we managed to keep the same line, the same, you know, campaign on and on for 11 years. So you really need to have somebody who believes in this campaign, who doesn't go with, you know, the flow of marketing changes. And, you know, today it's something new we want to try. No, we're going to try this one. Um, you have to keep in mind that a successful campaign is a campaign that lasts over years. And it has to be something that you really believe in for a few years before it starts becoming associated with your brand.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely. And so, you know, taking it to the next stage, you know, where we, we have the cause marketing campaign, we're raising the money, uh, you know, we're handing the money over um, and hopefully it's doing what it's it, we're intending it to do on the ground. Have you got any tips around, you know, measuring the impact from a business perspective?
1: Wow, this is the most important subject. Because, <laughs> you know... Um, I think this is the main difference between profit and non-profit, right? Non-profit, they measure the success on a very long time a term. So maybe in 10 years, we're gonna eliminate one thing. And then they say, this is in 10 years. And in 10 years, they didn't achieve it. They say, well, it's gonna take us 15 years. 15 years we didn't achieve it, it will take us 20 years, right? So the business has to show uh, results very often they have to report results very often so not only you have to in- align on on the results you have to align on a result on short-term mid-term long-term and on reporting these results because it's extremely important because of trust, right? We talked about trust. If you want to be trusted, you need to showcase that what you're doing has an impact. And to showcase that what you're doing has an impact, you have to report the results. So, for example, um, in, uh, when we did the, the Pampers Unicep, We really needed to show on on a yearly basis how many vaccines were raised, how many people were vaccinated, how many countries were still going on for elimination, because we wanted to do the elimination country by country. And it was, um, it was difficult for UNICEF. It was a lot of pressure because, you know, they have a whole system in place with the World Health Organization to validate their data with, I don't know what to do this and this. And so what we aligned on um, in order to facilitate this is a process. So we aligned on a process on what could we, um, how can we measure, what could we measure, and what did we need to measure um, on a short-term, mid-term, long-term, and how we report it. It's extremely important, Alison. Um, I think an NGO could get away by saying, you know, numbers that are gonna be achieved in 10 years and they can't achieve them, and they say, well, sorry, that was a disaster in real gold. Businesses cannot get away with this. If you are committing to something as a business, you are going to be um, held held responsible for it. And so you really need to report the results. And so, for example, I mean, uh, for me, it was extremely important. I went on the ground when I did the vaccination campaign, worked with the vaccination centers to make sure how they worked and what we could report and how did they report uh, the vaccination. When we did on the always program, we also worked with the schools to look at how many schools are, you know, getting the products. How many girls are reached? Did we record their presence? Did we? So it was really putting, making sure that the processes are in place. Sometimes the NGO would say the processes are taking uh, a lot of time and um, avoiding us to do the work we wanted to do. But unfortunately, if they don't put in place the processes, you cannot partner with them. And so with 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 effort from both sides, uh, you can get there. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, And I think again, it comes down to again just agreeing what it is the the impact that we want to have, isn't it? Because it is that distinction between the the we, we you can raise money, but that's really our contribution. And it's how that money is put to use that actually really matters. Exactly. Um, You know, when when we're doing anything like this. And I know I've spent quite a bit of time really having in-depth conversations with Classroom of Hope which is my charitable partner that I'm building the school in Cambodia through you know and we're really drilling into lots of detail that they've already they've already got so much and they've got some great partners on the ground and they've selected partners that have the processes in place and are working with the communities and that will be able to give us the comfort we need both before you know before we build as we build and actually for years after you know, so we can monitor the impact of a community having a school.
1: Exactly,
0: um, and, and, we're and spending and so much time looking. You know, if anything, I've probably spent around four or five months already looking at that. We've not even started the actual campaigns, if you like, and, and um, really taking it out.
1: But I think it's the real, uh, really the good approach you're doing, Alison. Because if you don't do this, remember the businesses are are really criticised for their. Um, you know, if they're doing this for greenwashing or whatever washing it is. So if you if you're reporting anything, you have to really have solid data to report and you have to have the backing of this data to report and you have to have everything in place to understand how it's reported. It's not enough to say it is reported because uh, I've done many um, events and many conferences where we presented data. People will dig into your data. I mean, there are many experts there who understand the data, who will dig into your data and want to make sure that what you're saying is true. So I think Taking the time to put the processes in place could be frustrating from some organisation, but I think it's a must and what you're doing is right. You have to put it in place so you can report on it and then, then you can do the work.
0: Yeah. And when we say reporting, I mean, sometimes I think of the word reporting, it, it, it feels tediously boring. But when I think of it in the context of telling the story and helping it bring to life um, the work that we do, it's incredibly rewarding and that's the you know when i think of it in that way um it it, it's it's the motivator that also helps me really you know, spend that time looking at the nitty gritty numbers. I'm not a numbers person particularly, but I know how important it is, because that together with going out and seeing the impact for myself, because that's just the way in which I like to work. I like like you to go out and see what's happening. I like to meet the people that are benefiting. You know, nowadays with technology, we can take videos where it's appropriate to do so, um, and you know, we we can share that story. And and many people who have supported campaigns love just seeing that impact because they're not getting out on the ground themselves.
1: Exactly. You're right. And I think there is another um, interesting fact about, you know, gathering the data. We don't want fastidious reports uh, that nobody understands, right? I mean, you you need these reports for somebody who's digging for the data, but you need simple data that Mm -hmm. people can understand, right? So, for example, um, money helping a village to help another village to help another community i think people are lost you need some simple data is i am helping to prevent girls 12 girls per per week uh, from dropping out of school i am helping i don't know and one thousand girls, additional girls per year to go into school. you need simple figures that people can understand you and then and the, the you know the joy of social media today is that you can play with these figures and make them so attract you know attractive that people can uh, Understand them, have them, uh, you know, built into pictures, have them in their mind. So make sure that the data you present is simple enough for people to grab it. Don't try to complicate it, overcomplicate it for people. I think the success of the campaign that's lasted eleven years with Pamper, it was because it was so simple. We said one pack, one vaccine, and so if you sold sixty million packs, you gave sixty million uh, vaccine. If you th- th- sold three hundred million packs, you gave three hundred million vaccines. And that was so simple. We reported simple figures and then we knew how many people got vaccinated and then we reported the people. So make it Mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. That is also extremely important. I've seen many, many causes that are so confusing in their messaging that people don't get it. Remember, whoever wants to have a cause marketing campaign, they are competing with share of minds and share of hearts for the consumers. There are thousands of of causes today that are you know bombarding people every day. People are just lost. they don't know where to help, they don't know how to help, and they don't know what to prefer to help, right? Make it simple for them. Choose something extremely simple. I, I call it the dumb simple uh, test, you know, or the five years old test if If somebody has a cause that is so simple. And that asks you for nothing additional to do. People will adhere to it. If it's complicated because it needs to be translated many times, then it will not work. I'll give you an example. And um, we we did for always. I said the always school program that I loved, and we were very um, supportive. Uh, we did a campaign that was not successful in um, in in, uh, in Europe. And why was it not successful? I'll tell you. We, we said with Always Pack, every pack you, uh, you, you buy, we will give a lesson. Point. And so people didn't get it. A lesson of what? Is it a lesson of cooking? A lesson of what? People did, So you had to explain to them that it's a lesson because you're keeping the girls in school, because if they don't have the menstruation, they don't go to school. It, it requires so many explanations that people didn't get it. And it didn't work. If you really want it to work, make it simple to understand quickly to the link you are benefit. So when we said one pack equal one vaccine, people immediately got it, why? Because people in Europe vaccinate their children, most of them at least, and they understand that vaccination is health protection and prevent from some diseases. When I said in Europe, a one pack equal one lesson, they didn't get it, it was too far away from them. Why a lesson? In Europe, everybody has lessons of of everything. And they didn't link the lesson to the fact that if you have your period, you can't go to school, you drop out of school, and then you're trying to keep girls in school. So it required a lot of um, explanation. So whenever you want to make your cause marketing, choose your message to be simple. Simple in a way that people don't require explanation of what you're trying to do. That is extremely important. The second thing is um, choose it in a way where people can quickly help. So either it's by purchasing the product, they don't have anything to do else, or whatever messaging you do on on social media, they have the one click. If you have 10 clicks to be able to do anything, people are not going to do it. If you have with the purchase, you have to collect numbers or collect things and then send them by mail or send donation, it's not going to work. So make it very, very simple for people to participate to your program. Otherwise, you have the competition of many, many other programs around you and they will not do it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Wow. Nada, you've just shared so much um, during this conversation. It's incredible, and um, I'm just sorry that I need to actually be looking at bringing it to an end so we can wrap up the podcast. But thank you so much for everything you've you've shared. As always, I've just I mean, I've just scribbled lots of notes as I always do when we have our conversations here. Um, there's so much that I am taking away here, um, and I think the one thing that has just resonated for whatever reason today with me is looking at building trust and building trust with partners community and other people that are involved in any kind of cause marketing campaign. If people want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that we will have a show notes page that we can share your profile on but is that is that the best way or is there any other way that they can get in touch
1: they can get in touch through linkedin my uh, my profile linkedin or through email and they can send me an email and we'll
0: just list your email again on the show notes which is great so thank you so much is there any is there one last thing you'd like to share to wrap it up
1: No, thank you for having me. I I really, really believe in the power of business in in doing good. And I think what you're doing is amazing, Alison. And I have a lot of admiration for you and for the people who are listening to you and uh, following you. Because this is the way for doing things better in the future
0: thank you thank you for being a guest here with us and thanks to you for tuning in to this episode as well remember to check out give2profit.com or allison.com for the full show notes plus details of how to connect with nada and myself and if you'd like to learn how to raise funds for a charity or social cause through your business in ways that are ethical effective and comply with cause marketing legislation check out the give to profit community that's just gone live I'm so excited that that has eventually gone live it's a community for socially conscious business owners entrepreneurs and leaders who want to turn their business into a force for good the intention is it will become a supportive place where you can connect with me and other like-minded people so that we can really help you implement your business giving and social impact ideas within the community there are a mix of online training courses an online forum live Q&A calls and help you incorporate those charitable giving ideas into your business. Doing good feels good and can help you grow your business but only when it's done well. So check out gifttoprofit.com if you'd like to find out more about that. Until next time remember business is a great opportunity to be kind and what you do next matters. Thanks for tuning in to the Give to Profit podcast. You can find full show notes for today's show at givetoprofit.com. This is where you can also check out the Give to Profit membership community, a special place where you can connect with Alison and other like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs and learn how to turn your business into a profitable force for good in ways that are joyful, effective and legal. It's also the place where you can find out about our future events, including the Give to Profit Business for Good conference in April 2019 and if you don't already have a copy of Alison's best-selling book Give to Profit How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes you can get a copy of it on Amazon around the world.